Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to the DQ with Damani podcast. I am your host, Damani Madir. And we most definitely have a lot of stuff to get into this week. But I do want to start with the concerning news regarding Adrian Broner. I do not want to sugarcoat this at all. I know a lot of different places have been starting to cover this, but I do want to keep it 100% truthful with you guys. What you might hear within the next couple of segments may be disappointing. So if you do have issues with alcoholism, drug abuse, etc., please click off of this episode of the show. We, of course, have plenty more episodes for you to enjoy, but I will be discussing some of this. Be warned. I have absolutely no idea what is going on with Adrian Broner's team right now. There has been way too much foolishness going down around him, and it seems like no one has stood up and tried to silence it at all. I'm sure if any of you have seen or heard the ridiculous Adrian Broner interview that released last week, but it was just completely absurd. I was completely exhausted, and I heard the sound of my man's voice, and I knew something was wrong. I knew something was wrong. When I first heard this audio, I was disgusted. I honestly couldn't believe it was real. So what you're about to hear is the most off the wall Adrian Broner interview of all time. The fuck? (laughs) Family. That's my baby. That's my man. What? Whatever. Let him put one of y'all niggas out. No. Y'all dead. No. <laughs> it ain't gotta be done like that. Uh, dead ass. But I heard you. Stop playing. About yeah. bro. Yeah, trip. That's dope. That's dope, man. Any fighter knows what that is. Any fighter knows what that is. Nah, every fighter ain't like that. You even, even if they don't have it, they know what that is though. Tripping. No, every fighter ain't like that. They not. Yeah. At all. They not. But yeah. they know what that is. I be at them niggas. Yeah. I be with them niggas. It's like, ah. Damn, fuck. Oh, got to record that I love Cassidy. We right. do. Yeah, it's, we, it's we got that. I love him <laughs> to death. What I'm asking you is, did you have somebody in your corner the way you are in his corner? I was just an idiot. I did. I, uh, damn. Uh, still got him. Okay. I can't even talk about it, but. Yeah. Still got him. Yeah. So one thing about it. Any, you know, boxing officially for show for show, but all martial arts, it's something about lineage. It's something Man, about that ain't about nothing. What you talking about? I'm bro. talking about what you talking about. It's that ain't about nothing. What you talking about, bro? Okay. So what is it? Still got him. Okay. I call him every day. Oh. Uh, Every day. (laughs) 
I think that in itself is dope because a lot of I don't understand why nobody said anything. I don't understand. I just don't get it. How could you sit there and let Adrian Broner of all people take that interview while he is clearly not in his right mind? You could tell that that man is not healthy. Now, we all know that AB's relationship with Don King is really strong. We know that Don King is supplying him with enough money to be able to for him to get ahead and have some sort of success for the time being. We know that AB is in a good financial position with Don King. But what really bothers me right now is why no one in AB's corner is standing up and saying something about this. Why is nobody on AB's team saying something? We saw Errol Spence Jr. come out, but he had nothing but terrible things to say about AB calling him an addict, this and that. I, I, I just don't like how everybody except for people surrounding AB are standing up and saying something about the situation. Why is everybody else talking except for AB's people? These guys just sat around him and just let him do that. They really just let him do that, and I don't understand why. It seems like these guys are yes-men who are piggybacking off of AB's success. They really just want to be a part of the crew when it's beneficial for them. But when something like this happens where AB is literally in shambles live on a professional platform, such as a podcast, like, why is nobody doing something? This is the time where you show... Whether or not you are a real friend, whether or not you are a stand up guy like you might claim to be. This is that moment where you stand up and say something, but none of them have the balls to do that. And I'm sorry, but it's just true. We got to we got to keep it 100 on the DQ with the Monty podcast. Nobody is willing to stand up and say something because they don't have enough testosterone. They don't have it. And I don't know why. This is your friend. You should say something. Well, of course, I am disappointed with the lack of response from AB support group. We also do have to put the brunt of the blame on AB. AB, he came on these shows. He went on Gillian Wallow's podcast and he pretty much said, yeah, I'm clean. I'm not doing none of the alcohol. I'm not doing any of the crazy stuff that I was doing when I was young. And then this situation happens showing the exact opposite. So we do have to hold Adrian Broner accountable for this. We can't just say, hey, your friends, your friends, your friends, because at a certain point, your friends are only able to do but so much. You have to be responsible for your own personal health, especially as a boxer. There is a lifestyle that you should be adhering to, and everyone knows it. It's an unspoken rule how you are supposed to live generally inside and outside of training. And AB has taken that and completely just thrown the middle finger up at it. He clearly does not care about himself, his own personal health. He clearly may not even care about his own career at this point in time because I don't understand how someone in a position such as his with Don King of all promoters in the boxing world can allow himself to fall like this. He looked great in his last performance against Bill Hutchinson. I gave such a star studded review for this man. And that's what hurts me the most. It really makes me so disappointed to see him in this state because I was so happy for him. I was very proud of AB and everyone around the world who saw that fight against Bill Hutchinson is extremely proud of AB. 
No one is disappointed in Adrian Broner's performance, but everyone is extremely disappointed with the way that he's displaying himself on the show. And I know that the entire, let's say, give or take 45 minute to an hour interview was deleted off of YouTube. So all that we have at this time are clips. I may be incorrect about this because the clips may have also been taken down. I got mine just a few days ago prior to recording. So I'm still reacting to this in a very fresh and natural way. This is not a scripted response. I'm I'm truly heartbroken by the way that AB has presented himself. And I really do believe that he needs to get help. There have been so many stories of athletes battling addiction, battling situations at home with domestic violence. There, there's a whole lot of things that goes on in a fighter's life. And sometimes the only person who's aware of what's going on is the person who is suffering through it themselves. But I would like to see some people surrounding AB just stand up and say something. Because if this continues to a point at which AB can't even fight anymore, his career is done. And I would really hate to see someone with such promise, someone with such potential despite his age at 33 he still has so much to offer the sport of boxing and i would love to see him absolutely love to see him champion this become a much healthier man become a much stronger man because of this experience i need that for ab but of course like i always say to people you can only want it for yourself other people can want it for you your friends can want it for you your family could want it for you but at the end of the day that success has to be wanted by you and you alone Let's all stay in AB's corner because it seems like he doesn't have much of any. His friends have just ducked their tacos and ran off. So please, please, if you have any sort of contact with Adrian Broner, even even just a small DM, a little DM counts. Please reach out. So now that we've just about wrapped up the segment regarding Adrian Broner's trouble with the media, it's time to get the business. Let's talk about the women's fight. I was very, very, very excited for this. Franchon Cruz and Savannah Marshall's undisputed contest was spectacular. It was another history-defining fight in the women's super middleweight division. And I'm incredibly happy that the women's boxing divisions are starting to get way more coverage. They are starting to get a massive amount of shine. People like Clarissa Shields, Katie Taylor, Chantel Cameron, and many, many more have worked so hard to receive international coverage. Savannah Marshall is an incredibly talented fighter, and so is Franchon Cruz. I don't want you to believe that the A side or the B side politics existed in this fight, because it surely did not. I was excited for the matchup because of the implications of the finish. Whoever was to win this match is truly next up in women's boxing. Whoever wins this match sets the tone for the super middleweight division moving forward and has the chance to create a super fight of a lifetime. I would compare it to something of an Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford matchup. And of course, both of the women in the main event had big shoes to fill with a massive opportunity ahead of both of them. I don't want you people to think that this was just another match, just another pity showcase to get women's boxing some shine. Because both women came to fight. They did. They both came forward. They both threw amazing punches, despite the fact that there was a lot of clinching. So I am... Very glad I had the chance to witness that this past Saturday. So before I start discussing the fight itself, I would like to talk to you about each woman's style and the game plan they both hope to implement in the main event. Savannah Marshall has been very well known in the boxing scene for delivering some masterclass performances. Since she was in the amateurs, she put serious attention on herself for dominating her opponents around the four corners. 
She is a master of the ring. And when I say master, this is not an understatement. She knows exactly how to move around. And the exact same could be said of Franchon Cruz. So don't think I'm speaking for one side and not the other. Aside from that, what separates Savannah Marshall from the rest of the competition in, in and outside of her division is her ability to remain calm in high pressure situations. For example, when Savannah was being pressured by Clarissa Shields overhand right, she used her mobility to attempt to evade. When Franchon was pressured by Clarissa's right hand, she decided to stay in the pocket and give Clarissa easy points on the judges' scorecards. I have seen a lot of people compare Tyson Fury and Savannah Marshall's style. I've seen a lot of it, especially this past weekend and the press conferences prior to it on Friday and Thursday. A lot of people truly do believe that Savannah Marshall's style is starting to take after Tyson Fury a bit too much. And if people do feel that way, I am not mad at, at I, I'm truly not mad at that at all. I believe that's a fair assessment. I do think that Tyson Fury's style can get a bit easy to adapt to once you spend enough time with him and his father and all of the people who train under him. It's very easy to mold yourself after Tyson Fury because his style works. And not to mention, she has the genetic capability to be able to implement that style across a 10 or 12 rounder. She has the ability to do so because she's taller than mostly every woman in the division. And even the women above her division are still shorter than her. So she has the ability to use that style. If she was 5'3", 5'4", 5'5", she would not be able to use that style. That style is built for someone with enough height and reach to be able to touch and move, touch and move. It's a very simple style, but it's extremely effective. See, and that's how Tyson Fury was able to beat Deontay Wilder twice. It's completely realistic to see someone like Savannah Marshall use this style. So I don't really like the fact that people are angry about it. I do like the fact that people are pointing it out, but I don't see how getting frustrated over the fact that her style is pretty similar to his. It doesn't really make much sense because it's working for her. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So regardless of the result, I just want people to know that Franchon Cruz is an amazing, amazing specialist on the inside and outside. Women's boxing has very few people who display the level of skill that Franchon Cruz does. And I also would like to keep this in mind, fresh in everybody's heads while y'all are listening to this. She fought Clarissa Shields in the amateurs. So she has plenty of experience with somebody such as her. She has plenty of experience with a fighter such as Savannah Marshall. She has plenty of experience up and down the weight class. So we knew what was going to happen stepping into this fight. We knew that we were going to see something very special. And like I said, regardless of the result, it is undeniable that Franchon Cruz is special. She's a very talented woman, and I'm very happy that she was able to build such a historic fight against Savannah Marshall. Well, first of all, congratulations to Ms. Marshall. Marshall, um, as I said, this is bigger than me, this is bigger than her, this is big for women's boxing. You have two Olympic level athletes, even though I didn't go, but I'm an Olympic boxer, two Olympic level athletes facing one another, and for myself, I'm daring to be great. It's not easy going to a different country, fighting a favorite to live your dream. I come from a grassroots, stinky gym from the inner city of Baltimore. And I come to the UK, headlining the AO Arena against 
good competition with a song charting on the UK charts. This is a girl's dream. This is a girl's dream. You don't have to be from America. You don't have to be from England. You don't understand. <laughs> Man. Overall, despite the fact that she wasn't successful in the contest, she still decided to come out. She still stepped with the drip. Can y'all process that? Can y'all believe that Franchon Cruz stepped out after quote-unquote losing and still being the winner? She stepped outside with the most immaculate purple fit. I would have thought she was Prince, y'all. I ain't gonna lie. I thought she had a little bit of purple rain going on, but she looked great. And she did not look hurt. Well, of course, she was wearing sunglasses, but from what was visible, from what we could see, Franchon was not hurt. So I'm thankful that everybody was able to go home. Everybody was able to laugh, smile. And then, of course, the legend herself, the GOAT, might as well just be the GOAT at this point in time. Clarissa Shields showed up and she showed out. I will roll that for y'all right now. You know what's up. I'm gonna let you have your moment though, but you know what's up with me. That's why I'm here. So come on to the to USA and you can get smoked again. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Can I just? You want me to be more hydrated and be stronger at 168? Let's go. Let's go. I beat you. I beat you again. You talking about the amateurs? Oh my God. I'm gonna smoke your silly ass. I'm gonna smoke your silly ass. I'm smoking you. I'm smoking you. I'm smoking you. To me, it sounds like Clarissa Shields is ready to fight. It sounds like she's ready to go right now. And she wants to have smoke at 168 pounds. It's not like she wants to stay at 160, go down to 154. She sounds like she is very confident in herself and her abilities as a 168 pounder. So, hey. By all means, I welcome that fight. I love that fight for both of them. The stock can only go up. I always tell people that. With a fight like that, undisputed versus undisputed, you are always going to have both fighters' stocks increase. There is nothing that can go wrong with this fight. Win or lose for Clarissa Shields. And especially for the spectacle that is women's boxing. Everybody wins in this situation. And I hope, sincerely hope, that these women are able to get this fight done in America. Clarissa Shields already went to the UK, fought Savannah Marshall, took her belts, walked home the undisputed champion. So it's only right that Savannah Marshall respects that challenge, takes the flight all the way out to America. All right, next up, we got to take over the heavyweight division with Jared Anderson. He did have an impressive performance against Charles Martin. However, everybody around the world is in agreement that Jared Anderson was tested. This was his biggest and hardest fight yet. He has knocked out all of his opponents up until Charles Martin. So the fact that Charles Martin was able to take him all 12, make him go the distance, make him work for that win is absolutely astounding. I am incredibly happy that Jared Anderson was able to get this fight against Charles Martin. However, I do believe that Charles Martin is a real gentleman. A lot of people are skipping over the fact that Charles Martin showed so much love and respect to Jared Anderson after the fight. You will see a lot of former champions like Lomachenko not show respect. They'll lose, they'll bow out, and they'll just leave without a word. They'll say, oh, I got robbed, this situation happened, and I wasn't able to get the win. But Charles Martin, he had no disagreements with the cards. He walked, 
raise that man's hand, put the belt on his shoulder, which is typically the promoter or the referee's job. But Charles Martin put those belts on Jared Anderson and congratulated him. He knows that he is up next. And I still firmly believe that Jared Anderson is up next. The heavyweight division is really deep right now. And like I have said several times on my show already, I do not think that Jared Anderson should mix with the top five just yet. No top fivers for Jared Anderson. And the reason that I am saying that is because of what happened this past Saturday. He was touched. Let's not lie. Let's not sugarcoat it. Let's not pretend like it didn't happen. Jared Anderson got touched. He moves back way too much. And a lot of people are starting to point that out. It might have been the Roy Jones Jr. influence because we do know that Roy loves to pull back. That pullback counter is great. Floyd did the same exact thing and it worked for both men. However, as we all know, near the end of Roy Jones Jr.'s career, he got knocked out a couple of times. He did. And he got hurt bad. He was slept. But that's only because the pullback counter works against long punches. It works against long punches. It doesn't work against clubbing shots. Just as I was talking about Fran Sean Cruz and her clubbing shots, the same will apply here. A step back or pullback counter is not going to be effective against somebody who could slug it out like Charles Martin or a Fran Sean Cruz. It's not effective. He needs to roll. Rolling is always going to be the more effective solution, but it's very clear that Jared Anderson and his team felt more comfortable with pulling back, which is exactly why he got hurt. Once again, we got to keep it 100 on the DQ with Damani podcast. I'm never going to cap. I'm never going to lie to y'all. He got hurt. He was hit clean multiple times in the sixth, seventh, and eighth round, and he was hurt. He had to regather all of his strength to be able to come back and finish out strong because Charles Martin was coming for him. He was chasing him. He was like Jaws in the water. That man was chasing him down. He knew that he had Jared Anderson hurt and he wanted to see what his response was going to be. And I really liked the fact that Tim Bradley Jr. made that a point. This was the very first time that Jared Anderson has been caught clean, hurt badly and responded well. Everyone wanted to see what he would do when he fought a big puncher like himself, because as we all know, everybody's like, hey, he's the next great American heavyweight. He's got this amazing knockout power. He's flattening all these people. He looks great in the ring. How is he going to match up against somebody who punches as hard, if not harder than him? Overall, though, I do want to say that I'm very proud of Jared Anderson, regardless. Like I said earlier, he had a great performance. He showed a lot of heart, a lot of courage under pressure the heavyweight division is not the division you want to be in if you want to test your chin you could do it at 145 you could do it at 130 you could do it at 135 you could you could do it all the way up maybe even to up to 175 but the heavyweight division is not where you want to test your chin there's always going to be guys who have that one hit power like jared anderson anybody in the heavyweight division can put you out with one shot That type of stopping power is something that you will only see in that division. Other divisions, of course, you have your rarities. You have Tank Davis. You have Nakatani. You have Naoya Inoue. You have multiple guys in the lower regions who are able to put serious stopping power on their punches. But in the heavyweight division, absolutely anybody, even a journeyman, could catch you clean on the chin once and flatten you. So it's very impressive that Jared Anderson was able to eat those punches and continue the round, make sure that he finished strong, made a serious impression on the judges, because it's very easily to get hurt 
and hurt bad to the point where you can't finish the fight in a heavyweight match. Let's just be honest. It is imperative that your defense is on point. So that's the only improvement that I believe needs to be made for Jared Anderson. He needs to improve his defense. Still very proud of him. Still very happy that he got the win. He showed tremendous skills in that ring. But the defense needs to be improved. The only question that we have to answer now is who's next for Jared Anderson? He just took out a former world champion in Charles Martin. So who do we believe is next? I just said that I do not think anyone in the top five is great for him. We did see Frank Sanchez call out Anderson. All of the Sharks are starting to gather around him because they know that that last performance that he had against Martin showed that he is vulnerable. Everybody in the heavyweight division knows that Jared Anderson is vulnerable now. So the best thing to do is try to pick someone for a tune-up. And I know a lot of you guys aren't going to like that answer. But a tune-up fight is what's best for Jared Anderson at this point. He needs to rebuild his entire structure, start from the ground up once again, relearn everything that he had cast out from this last performance during his camp, and start from the beginning. It's necessary for him to do that because jumping into another major fight after he had such a questionable, I I wouldn't necessarily call it questionable, but he was exposed a bit in that performance. Such a performance as that leads people towards you. They smell that. They know that you're easily able to be touched. So like I just said, a tune-up, I believe it's what's necessary. I do not think that over time, he's going to have more trouble. He can only go up from here because he did knock Martin down. Let's not pretend that Martin was not hurt. Anderson hurt Martin several times. So it's not the fact that he has no power. We know that the knockout power is real, but knockout power is only amazing to the world when you're able to defend yourself effectively and counter over the top or below. You need to be able to use your defense to your advantage to provide offensive opportunities. You could be the biggest puncher in the world, but if your chin is able to get touched like Ryan Garcia's was, you will be hurt. So to finish out this segment, everyone, please remember heavyweights are dangerous, whether they at the highest level or the lowest level. You have to remember that they are dangerous. So A tune-up, tune-up, tune-up is what Jared Anderson needs. Now for probably the biggest announcement of the week. I know you guys have been waiting all weekend for me to get to this. Finally, the announcement we have been waiting for for arguably the biggest fight of the decade. I originally believed that the undisputed 147 match between Earl Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford was going to be the biggest. But I'm going to have to disagree strongly and remind you all that Canelo Day is back. We also got the wrong twin. It is Jarmel Charlo, not Jermall. Everybody was panicking. I will tell you guys the complete story. The entire world was up in arms when my man, Canelo Alvarez, decided to send his boots down. He sent them boys down. He did. He took his little sandpaper, put some little work in, And said, you know what? I'm going to lay some back up and go right over to PBC. Because that man signed a three-fight deal worth $100 million 
with Al Heyman. Sending them boots up wasn't really a smart idea now because he's got to get into them deep waters and Jermel Charlo will be his first contest. I know everyone was furious because DAZN was providing some decent fights. We had some decent fights. We had BJS. We had Triple G. Prior to that, we had Kovalev. Plant, that was a co-promotion between PBC and DAZN, so we did have a little bit of a mixed co-promotion there. But DAZN was treating him well. DAZN was treating him very well, and everybody wanted to see a potential matchup between himself and Berlanga, myself included. There were a lot of opportunities for him there at DAZN. But let's be completely fair here. PBC has David Benavidez. PBC has David Morel. PBC has Andrade. PBC has both Charlo twins. So the, the level of competition is still at maximum. However, the list of names is most definitely longer. And when people first heard the little whispers of Jamal Charlo coming out of his quote-unquote two-year retirement to fight Canelo, people were very pissed. I saw a lot of people reacting to it. They were all like, oh... He's leaving to go fight a bum who hasn't fought in two years. Oh, why is he leaving Eddie Hearn to fight Jamal Charlo? He's not even worth anything in his little one belt. I didn't really see it that way. I believed that the setup was going to go Jamal, then David, David again, and then Andre to finish. Leave the best for last. <laughs> Obviously, I'm messing with you all, but I did think that that was how it was going to go. I truly, truly believed that this was how the plan was going to go. But now it seems like everything is up in the air. The boxing world is completely flipped upside down. And now we have no idea what's going to happen next. Because not only did they announce this fight, Tim Sue pretty much got screwed out of his fight. If you guys remember, Jermel was hurt. He broke that hand. He was supposed to recover and fight Tim Sue, But... All of those plans got scrapped. I had absolutely no idea what was going on because Sue ended up going up on all the social medias and claiming that Canelo is ducking. He's ducking Benavidez. Jermel is jucking him. So I, I don't know what the whole quack quack situation is going down with. I, I, I still don't quite understand how that came to be. Maybe there's an Aflac situation going on. Maybe there isn't. I have absolutely no opinion on the matter because we are still receiving one of the biggest fights of the year, if not the biggest fight of the year, if not the decade. So I believe that everybody should just strap in, get comfortable, ride the media scrum out and see where things go from here, because it looks like the division is getting shaken up really, really badly right now. Things need to progress as fast as possible for the next few months because he's probably going to clean house. I think Canelo, he's going to clean house. So everybody at PBC needs to get ready. It's time. It's time. He's got three fights, and we don't know who's next. So if the undisputed versus undisputed situation works out, nobody gets hurt, the fight comes to pass, God willing, Canelo wins, we might just be seeing one of the biggest three-fight deals of all time. I think... This is going to be the moment at which we decide, is Canelo Alvarez still the face of boxing or is he really on the decline? Is he finally reaching the end point of his career? 
I think that this first fight of the three is going to show us that. So is anybody going to talk about that stupendous British and Commonwealth title fight that we had this past weekend? Is anybody going to talk about that? I guess I got to be the one to talk about it because, man, that boy Dalton Smith got some power in that right hand. I am going to be completely fair to Maxwell with this. He had absolutely no defense. His defense was bad. And it's only because of the way that his stance was structured. His stance was structured in a way that left him very susceptible to body shots and overhands. He was very easily touched by them. And even though he moved his head on the last few that Dalton threw to get him to move so he could throw the left uppercut in response... He was still getting hit on the side of the head. So the fact that the knockout came, yes, it was very shocking, but we knew it was going to happen. We knew that it was going to happen. And I called it several times throughout the fight. I said, Dalton Smith is in love with that overhand right. He's in love with it. He's obsessed with it. He's going to keep throwing that right hand until he nails him and he knocks him out. And I promise you, I was in the middle of saying right hand when he knocked him out. I promise you. I said right hand. Boom. Absolutely knocked out cold. That was the first time I had ever seen someone need an oxygen mask immediately in the ring. And I congratulate all of the doctors, all of the physicians who were there to take care of him because he looked very hurt. He looked hurt badly. The way he went down didn't look very good either. His leg looked like he might have hurt on the way down. He definitely bounced his head, the back of it, off the canvas. So they reacted very fast. And I'm very happy that all of the health officials there were able to tend to him in a very timely manner. Because we've seen fights turn out really badly. David Morrell, like I just mentioned his name earlier, he had a fight very recently where... Things didn't go right, and the guy was out for a very long time, and he suffered some serious brain damage. So I'm just very thankful that nobody, at least from what we've heard so far, was seriously hurt in that contest. Dante Smith, he did receive a cut on his eyebrow, almost stretched down to his eyelid during that match, but he turned out to be okay as well. So both men went home to their families Everybody's healthy. Uh, uh, once again, from what I've heard so far, everybody is a-okay. So all we've got to do now is just wait and see what's next for Dalton Smith. His style is very intoxicating to watch. You watch him and you're like, oh man, I know that knockout's coming because he positions himself very well off of all of his punches. The thing that I don't like about Dalton Smith, not to knock his performance, is the fact that he takes too long to throw the jab. It's almost as if he hesitates to throw it and then he favors his right hand instead because the frequency at which he was throwing those straights and overhands from the right was absolutely absurd. When I tell you guys that he was obsessed with his right hand, he was absolutely married to his right hand. Deontay, not even Deontay Wilder is that thirsty to land the right hand as Dalton Smith. The setup I do like though, step in position pivot off the left and then throw that right overhand it is a graceful punch it is a powerful punch but i would like to see him just shoot the jab 
Shoot the jab. Unless you're fighting a southpaw, that jab is going to be your key. That is the setup punch. His uppercut was very nice. I love the uppercuts. Pressured him up against the ropes, threw a lot of body shots. Amazing. But I still would like to see more jabs from Dalton Smith. It's my personal belief that Dalton Smith ends up with a belt either within the year or the next half. I do think that he is at the point where he needs to take on world-level guys. A lot of guys are like, oh, he should go for the EBU belt next. He just won another domestic title. But no, I think that the super lightweight division needs people like Dalton Smith to shake it up. We've already got Roley. We've already got Progre. We've already got Teofimo, who's in and out. We don't know what the situation with Teofimo is at this moment in time, but we can still put his name down. We have so many contenders at super lightweight, so many at 140 pounds, that Dalton Smith could just walk right in, knock everybody out, and maybe just put on a fight of the year against Regis Progre. Who knows? Who knows? I am just the guy who boxes and gives you guys the information. I love these potential matchups, but as we all know, the business of boxing can ruin this. But I do still want to see Dalton Smith at a world title fight very soon. I think that it's his time. And if anybody feels opposite to me, I would completely understand that because a lot of guys do get rushed. They win a couple of domestic titles. They get rushed up. They don't take as many tune-ups and they get squashed. But I do think Dalton Smith, his defense definitely held up, especially after he got cut. After he got cut, he defended himself even better, which is typical of a boxer in that situation. But a lot of guys, they get lackadaisical with it because they want to knock their opponent out so that they don't take any more damage. He said, no, I'm not going to take that approach. Instead of doing that, I'm going to defend myself Keep shooting the right hand so that he gets used to it. Throw the uppercut in response and then shoot another overhand to knock him out. And that's exactly what he did. He finished the fight very cleanly. Complete knockout. That man was asleep for about a couple of minutes. Needed an oxygen mask. That man was sleeping. He served him a double XL cup of NyQuil. And I'm very happy for him. So Dalton Smith, potential world title challenger. Please be looking out for that man. All right, everybody. It's just about that time. July 8th, we've got Boots versus Royman Villa. Now, I do not think that this is going to be the fight that everybody thinks it is. A lot of people are thinking, oh, Boots might have some trouble here. Boots, Boots, he might get upset. But let's remember who we're dealing with. Boots Ennis has very calm and composed defense and offense we have seen him get a little bit frustrated we have seen it but anytime he's in a high pressure situation he knows how to calm himself down slow the pace of the fight down in his favor so that he can recompose and land the shot that's going to finish it we've seen it whether or not he could do it against via we'll have to see but i do like this fight do not believe that I don't like this fight. I love this fight for Boots. I think this is a big step up fight for him. And nobody can deny him anybody at 147 after this. It's time to see a big fight. It's time. There's absolutely no excuses if he beats Roy Monvia. None. 
I actually may or may not be attending that fight. So just keep your eyes peeled for your boy. See a tall black man. Braids. Peanut butter complexion skin. Looking like a natural cruiserweight. You better pull up on me and say, yo, Damani, is that you? Le Tigre. Is that you? Pull up on me. Say something. Just like the Deontay Wilder match, I did see a couple of you beautiful people out there. So just keep your eyes peeled for your boy. All right, y'all. We have just about reached the end of another wonderful week of DQ with Damani. I am your host, Damani Madir. And please keep your eyes open for that Boots versus Via match. Do not miss it. It is in Atlantic City, New Jersey. So if you are on the eastern seaboard, you are right up in there, northeast, you better get yourself down to Atlantic City. Whether you gambling or you just trying to watch, get yourself in them seats. I'm trying to see y'all out there. This is your host once again, Damani Medir, Le Tigre. And I am wishing you a very, very blessed week. Please be safe and God bless.